Oh, it's great to be all back together. Huge 2024 ahead of us on the Big Sports Breakfast. Good morning to you all. Monday, January 29, and a great weekend of sport. Last night, Yannick Sinner came from two sets to love down to beat Daniel Medvedev and win his maiden Grand Slam title at Melbourne Park in the Australian Open. And we'll speak to Roger Rashid shortly. Plenty of opinions here on what occurred in the cricket. Uh, high drama at the Gabba there last evening. In the end, the West Indies won by eight runs, a famous victory. Uh, one of the great upsets in Test cricket history. In fact, in one point during the match in live betting with Tab, uh, early on the first day, I think, when they were five for 64, they were $67 they were trading the West Indies to win the Test match. West Indies beating Australia at the Gabba, a bigger upset than England winning their Test in India? Yes. After England were... 190 behind on the first innings. Yeah, it's a good point. Actually, wow. good one, Clark. So that's a massive oh, before win for the game. Before the game. Before the game, yes. Most yes. definitely. But During how the, the game. game. How yeah. the game. But, yeah. he, but West Indies were five for what? 60. Five for 64 on day one. Yeah, but at the, at the change of the first innings, I would say England is an upset result. Because remembering, India has never lost when leading after the first innings by 150-plus runs. And what was their lead? 190. 190. Yeah. Either way, like, both those games, two massive upsets. Mm. There's no doubt about it. Mm. I, I think, yeah, I just love seeing, um, hearing Brian Lara talk uh, at the time, so emotional, and you could just see, you know, how excited he is for West Indian cricket. And then also Carl Hooper. I think Carl Hooper must have been working for... ABC. ABC, was it? Okay. Matt, he couldn't even sit in the chair. He was in tears. Mm. It, it just shows that, you know, the passion in the Caribbean for, for cricket is still there. Uh, this young, talented, inexperienced team. Like hearing Joseph's words after the game about how important Test cricket is to him and playing for the West Indies, I, I just hope this young squad can can stay together because imagine their next trip to Australia if they bring out a very similar, you know, or let's say that, let's say there's 25 players to pick from. They probably brought 16 on this tour or 17 on this tour. If they can stay within that 25, because some are going to come and go, but if you can stay within that group, wow. What do you do they, with the ones? The that, what do you do with the ones that made themselves unavailable for the next Test series, whoever they play? England, I think it is, isn't it? Obviously, they'll be part of the squad, but you'd want to reward these young players. I, I actually think West Indies have made a, a big stand in bringing these guys. Mm. I, I think this is their future. I, I think they will hold strong on that. Yeah. I think they've made a decision that, you know, with some of these senior players, um, you know what? We're just going to start again. Yep. And especially now they won. And they were okay <laughs> in the first test. Yeah. yeah, yeah oh, you okay. saw enough. You saw, yeah. I think when you see seven deputants yeah. in the first test, yeah, playing in Australia yeah. for the first time against a team that, you know, Aussies have had a big yeah. 12 months, a lot of success. So, yeah, to compete with the Aussies would, would have been one thing. They would have taken confidence from that. But to win a test match, mate, that's massive. Morning, Roger. How are you? Uh, I'm pretty tired, but anyway, but, uh, uh, I was pretty uh, yeah, just just sitting at the airport, just waiting to jump on a kite back home to Adelaide. But uh, gee, I, I, I mean, listen to you guys talk about that that test match, and I watched the vision of that. And uh, Clark, you know, it was it was, uh, it was amazing. I thought, you know, we all we're all Aussies, and we like want want the Australians to win. But 
there was something good about that for cricket, um, yeah, I think, for sure. and for sport. You know, when you see those those things happen, and then uh, so that was that was so exciting, and it actually just led straight in actually to the back. It started the start of the Australian Open, mm. so the men's men's final. So it was a quite a um, there was a fantastic hour or so we were watching the watching the cricket leading into the Australian Open when um, you know the men's final, which was which ended up being you know just a five set. Must watch, uh, must watch sporting event. Yeah, I agree. Some awesome sport over the weekend, no doubt. Like, can't stand sitting on the. You're screaming at your TV. No, and and I was like you, Loz. I watched, I watched a lot of the India England Test as well, and even that, I was Australia's not playing, but it's just exciting Test cricket. Yeah, same as the tennis. Exciting tennis. You want a contest, definitely. And we and we got that contest last night in the tennis, tennis here, Rog, because ridiculous. I went to bed after the first two sets. Thought it was, was over. I thought it was over. I thought, oh, well, I wake up this morning. Med- Medvedevic would, would have uh, won. But that wasn't the case. Young Sinner, tell me about it and how he, yeah. how he sort of got, got himself back into the game. It, look, it was, it was an interesting. Before the match, you're thinking, okay, you've got, you've got a person who dominates in every facet as far as where his court position is, stands on the top of the court. His forehand and backhand is, yeah, he's got about 10 kilometres per hour uh, bigger off either either wing. He's, he tries to dominate the points, bigger on the serve, either about even on the serve for average. But in general play, he he, he holds court, uh, Yannick Sinner, the Italian. But the the unknown was, could he do that in a major? And we've, you know, and he's playing a guy, Medvedev, who he's beaten the last three times. But uh, he's a major champion. He's also been to finals. And he's also... You know he's been the number one player in the world, so um, so it was quite intriguing. He'd, he'd spent about six hours more on court. Medvedev he'd battled really, and Medvedev, and Sinner had gone gone through, only dropping one set to to Novak a few days ago. So um, so it's quite it was an interesting matchup. And what happened was um, I was talking about it before the game, thinking, oh, what would Medvedev do? His only real shot, considering he's lost the last three, was to play an aggressive mindset of tennis, stand up on the baseline, try and push push Sinner back and take that away from him. Especially on the return to serve, where he's generally six or six or four meters back on first and second serves, and he did all of that plus more. Served volleys and points, came into the net, and really rattled um, the Italian. Really had control of the match. Two sets for love, and then and then you're talking about how do you how do you manufacture a, a win from two sets love down in your first major uh, when you've actually been controlled on the tennis court, haven't found your best, but you've got to put your head, you know, you've got to say uh, hands hands in the air and. The other guy's playing too well. But it's when you serve first, the funny thing with the scoreboard and pressure is it's interesting. You serve first at the start of the third, you win your first service game. If you can just roll up your sleeves and get a little dirty and just look after your service games, every time you sit down, you're one ahead. And then the pressure builds closer to the, to the, to the end of the set. And it happened for Sinner in, at 5-4 um, in the third. He ends up making, you know, making his, his way there. And then he gets a little moment and he takes it. There's a little unforced error from Medvedev. He sits at two sets to one down. It happened the same in the in the um, in the in the fourth set, except except Medvedev was four all and love thirty on Sinner's serve. They exchanged a big rally. Um, he made an unforced error. It went to fifteen thirty, and Sinner served his way out again. And then all of a sudden, there was pressure on Medvedev, and we're in the fifth. And from then on, from the fifth onwards, it looked like Sinner all day. He he just his belief system grew, and he and he his his real form that he showed for two weeks turned up. It was an amazing effort. Yeah, Roger, how much did that win against Novak help in regards to confidence when, when he was under pressure? Yeah, good point. Um, yeah, it would have enormous because, A, he didn't give up a, a break point in that whole match, which is staggering, by the way, against Novak. <laughs> uh, he, and uh, I just think it you need to have those 
wins in majors to believe you could probably get through a situation where you're two sets to love down, you know, especially especially against someone who's you know who's he's now won 24 majors. So I think I think it did because he also didn't have to sp- as much of as much as it was uh, energy sapping to beat Novak in a major when he led two sets to love. He he, he didn't have to call on all this extra mental energy that that was uh, that Medvedev had to call on a couple of times in uh, during the Australian Open because he you know found himself so far behind it was a great it was a yeah. great result it was a great result for our sport uh, you talk talk about the West Indies winning um, you know for for tennis Novak had you know hadn't won Sinner had lost um, hadn't been able to make it through and so you've got Medvedev Medvedev would have been a great winner by the way as well but just for the holistically for the sport to have this young uh, 22-year-old who's been climbing, and you know he's in the top four players in the world, mind you. So he's he's already here, but to be climbing and playing such uh, consistent tennis against guys in the top five players in the world and knocking them off towards the end of the year as he was doing, um, to finally to to claim a major, which we thought he would. If you said at the start of the year there are four majors, who how are you going to distribute them? You probably would have said Novak would probably grab a couple. Uh, Carlos Alcaraz would probably go grab one, and hopefully Sinner grabs one. Well, um, yeah, he's grabbed the first one, so yeah, it's an exciting time for the sport, I think, for, for the men's game in the transition. What about Novak then? I, I mean, we're always quick to write off champions. Yeah. yeah. How did you see his tournament unfold? Any concerns for the rest of the season? Is he starting to slow down? Is there something noticeable in his game that that hasn't been there in the past? No, uh, no, I don't no. think. Yeah, you're you're right for a start that we we generally, if they if they haven't won, we go, oh, well, they're gone. Um, but but they, uh, I think he had a virus all the way through because he never seemed to get motoring, and generally he he gives us a, a patch somewhere in the in the tournament where he's playing, you know, his elite level, but he never actually found that for the whole tournament, and he looked he looked just off in general, um, and so. There was, you know, he reported that he had a virus before the tournament, and he, he he looked like that, and he didn't seem like he could actually gather any momentum. So, would he be, you know, is he still the favourite for the French? Yeah, he probably is, but he's but it's all closed up, and so right behind him now is Alcaraz and Sinner. Um, once the French rolls on, and and we and I uh, sorry, and, and Nadal actually, if we say Nadal, we'll see what Nadal does. He's starting mm. again in a couple of weeks' time, so. It's made this the season really interesting, and and Novak's obviously as he's, as we know his his tension, intentions are clear. I'm playing until I can win. If I can, if I still think I can win majors, I'm playing and and play at the top of the game. I'm playing, and so he said that at the start of the season. There's no, he's not going away. Um, it's just um, it's just what what can the young guys do? And the big thing with these two young guys, Alcaraz and now Sinner, they're two of the first guys. So in our sport over probably the last decade that have decided to push and stick their chest out against the the big boys. Um, Alcaraz obviously did it a couple of years ago, you know, started and, and he's won two majors and now Sinner and they they haven't feared the best players in the world, especially someone like Novak when they've gone and played Rafa. So those, those sort of things are really important that you don't fear those guys and you're prepared to, you believe that you can actually beat them and the majority of the other guys for a long period of time, it's a little, slightly different era, but when Roger Raffer and Novak were there, Andy Murray were there, and they were at their prime, but there was a lot of the field that just thought they couldn't get them. And what a triumph for Australian coach Darren Cale, who just adds to his, his legacy as a coach. Yeah, I don't want to give him too much, to be honest. You know, he's a, he's a good mate of mine. And, uh, no, look, I, I loved it. I mean, he's, look, he's, he's, 
he's got uh, he's got a major with every every player that he's had, um, and and this this kid, yeah, you know, it's, it's a good thing jumping on good horses because they, they you can work them, uh, and you can you know, and, and Darren's done, has done a great job of giving uh, Sinner and his team a lot of belief uh, that they can actually take the next step. He's he's poised, he's measured, he's he's simplified in his messages, um, and he and he just gets it. You know, he he gets it and. Uh, he works with different athletes, and in, in, uh, all of them have been different athletes from different countries, and he's been able to sort of get the best version of them and, and just mould them. So, uh, yeah, look, we were super excited for them. Um, it was funny, Mark Williams, who's a good mate of both Darren and I, um, the AFL coach, um, he, he jumped in the box. He normally comes in around the second week. He's a second-week guy, Mark. He wants to get in with the real real, real good stuff. And and I, I messaged him when it. Uh, when I saw him in the box, I said, "You know, you can't leave as long as you, you know you won't be able to get out of the box now. As long as Yannick's winning, because it's funny when you've got a, when you've got a coach's box and you and you allocate seats, there's a lot of superstition around who's sitting where. And then if they're winning in that second week, you, a lot of them don't want to don't want those seats to be taken by anyone else. So the same people have to turn up. Uh, so there was a great joyride for Mark over uh, the last uh, last week as well. Just sitting in the you know here's here's a person who's coaching an AFL. Coached an AFL Grand Final at Port Adelaide and won in 04, and and is a super master coach himself. And and we were talking at the end of the game uh, last night, and, and he just said how he, you know, you're riding the intensity of riding on every single point uh, versus when you're coaching AFL. It's sort of you know you're riding on the plays, but he said it's just not it's just at a different level. And uh, yeah, anyway, it was a, it was a great Australian Open. Sabalenka winning the, the women's was, you know, it became more obvious as the as the key players fell um, at the top half of the draw. So it's, that was fantastic for the game, I think, as well for her to claim her second. We'll see where the rivalries go for uh, on the women's side of the field, and and we just had great matches all the way through from the start to the finish. So many five setters, so many three setters in the women. Matt Ebden wins the doubles for for you know, so an Australian wins the doubles there. Um, 1.1 million people come through the doors um, at Melbourne Park over over the period, and and you know the sport and entertainment was the was the key winner. Is Sabalenka? Do you think about to be the dominant woman's player? I I feel like uh, having this discussion. We were, um, I said I made a point that I felt that if she could if she could stop her urge to belt every ball. Um, and play sometimes within her, within her, uh, just in a com- in a comfort area. But mm. she's such a heavy ball striker, and and she can repeat that. And she's and she can she can basically take the racket out of your hand full time in in matches. And so I think she could dominate the game in the women's game right now. Um, and the only sort of disruptor for me would have been Ash Barty, who could slice it mix it up, match her with power, but also have this variety on serve and with a backhand and, and, and put the ball in, in certain areas of the court, even under the heavy hitting of Savalenka. But at the moment, yeah, I think she can be uh, extremely dominant. Um, and, you know, she, but uh, yeah, she, she's also a sea ball, hit ball type of player. So sometimes the sea ball, hit ball version, if it's not happening on the day, can can uh, let you let loose with a few unforced errors and you can find yourself losing. But... Yeah, it's great to see her getting a getting a second championships. Terrific performance from Matt Ebden, uh, the Aussie, and Rowan Bapana, forty three years of age, the Indian. They won the men's doubles, and gee, Ebden had a fair bit to say after the match. Uh, Rog, she had a crack at ageists uh, while praising his his partner, forty three years of age, as I mentioned, Rowan Bapana, a veteran. 
And also, he reiterated his call for an overhaul in doubles matches. He wants fans engaging more, uh, perhaps being closer to the court, music playing, etc. I guess taking a bit of a, a leaf out of live golf and, and, and things like that. Uh, look, well, the doubles game's definitely. I mean, it's it's a it's a little bit of a licorice all sorts in the sense that you know you've got you've got the the youth coming through, then you've got you've got players that have been playing for a long time, like Papana, who's forty three. What an effort from him! But you know, and then there's some some people out there saying, well, that you know, is that good for the game? Uh, that, that that's actually happening. You know, where's the you know where's the where's the young where's where's the young generation playing? Uh, where are they? Um, so, so there there is a lot of conversation around the doubles. Uh, I I don't think they should actually sit down at the change events. I think they should once they start, they sit down at the end of the set because there is some of these doubles matches take over a couple of hours and it's a long time when there's not a lot of action because it can be a serve and a volley and a serve or a miss and so you know you, there can be matches which are which are not uh, that entertaining. So what Matt's saying is basically we need to jazz this up and actually make the the doubles side of the tennis, uh, you know, under the tennis umbrella, a little different, and, and I, I tend to agree with him. Um, yeah, just on that, Rod, shifted. Just, just on that, mate. Like you see a lot of um, sports um, now trying to go after that younger generation to yeah. turn up and watch. It, it, do you notice younger people turning up to the tennis these days, or is it? Yeah, I nothing's changed. No, no. There's definitely there's definitely a change in you know we 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 had a mid sixties uh, viewership you know tennis uh, it was like golf and it was like you know what Greg's done to you know trying they've done with live golf with yeah. their, their movement there and they're seeing the numbers you know decrease we're we're seeing you know if you go to the Australian Open um, you definitely see you're just seeing families and you're seeing young kids I I think they they have they created such a a big entertainment family package yep. um, where the kids can engage. But what he's so, I just think the closer fans can get to the athletes, uh, the better. In a, you know, so they're not you know you can't remove them. It's hard in the big events when you've got the big courts. But as much young youthful engagement you can have with the uh, with the players is better. And, and I, we do see that. It's just does it actually translate to the amount of kids that play the sport? Whether it's whether it's rugby, whether it's cricket, basketball, tennis, um, I think we're all trying to do the same thing. Mm. You know, we're all trying to get a piece of the pie. Um, but our, you know, it's, it, and it's also about how you can make the court um, and the actual entertainment package of tennis. So we've we've tried to go quicker. How can we shorten the game? Yeah, okay, well let's give them twenty five seconds to and twenty seconds before points. The problem was problem is when you have a shot clock. There are some players that will wait the full 20 seconds, or in the majors, 25 seconds, uh, instead of being able to serve in, inside, you know, 10 seconds as normal. So they'd sort of milk the clock down. Versus, so it hasn't actually worked by giving them a set time uh, because players milk the clock down at certain levels. And um, so we've still got it. We're still getting some of these long matches when they could be uh, condensed. But yeah, it's a bit of work in progress, and there's definitely a big uh, spotlight on making our sport. Uh, sexier. There's no doubt about that. Go and get some sleep this week, Rog. Yeah, we're straight into it. Get into it. Uh, <laughs> do you sleep or not? I don't think you sleep. Do you? You just get on with it, you know. Yeah. Uh, but it has been it has been a great month of tennis. Uh, with that, with, also with the cricket on as well, and around Australia, I think sports been uh, we've we've been pretty lucky with with sport around uh, this summer. I think around Australia, and uh, yeah, it's a good finish last night. Thanks so much, mate. See you guys.
Kansas City and Baltimore at 7-7 uh, early in the second quarter of the AFC Championship game, but uh, Kansas City driving down the field and uh, Patrick Mahomes on a third and five was under all sorts of pressure. Dinks one over to tight end Travis Kelsey, who hung on to it first down, and uh, they're getting close to a score here. Uh, the Chiefs, uh, and a reminder, the other match later this morning, um, Detroit and San Francisco in San Francisco, and the Niners $1.27 with Tab Detroit, $3.80. And the line is 7.5. Detroit, the plus for that one. Uh, the live betting market as it stands, Baltimore $1.85, Kansas City $1.92 just at the moment with Tab, uh, that live market. Uh, we've got Phil Moss coming up shortly. And uh, just overnight in the FA Cup, fourth round action, Manchester United did it tough against Newport County away. Eventually, well, they led 2-0. It ended up being 2-2 at one point and 4-2 in the end, United going through. Liverpool at Anfield, 5-2 over Norwich. Watford and Southampton, they'll need a replay. That finished 1-1. The Socceroos, 4-0 against Indonesia in the last 16 at the Asian Cup in Qatar. So they'll be setting up a quarterfinal uh, with either Saudi Arabia or South Korea who meet early Wednesday morning. And uh, there was a... A goal to Jackson Irvine, which was ruled an own goal in the end after 12 minutes. Martin Boyle, Craig Goodwin, Harry Sutar all got on the score sheet there. 4-0. We'll break it down with Mossy shortly. Lots of text here. Uh, by the way, heroes and villains this Monday morning. So 0419767272 on the text line. $100 gift card to give away for the best contribution. 135353. Uh Boys, Happy New Year. My hero this week has to be Shamar Joseph. What an effort in knocking off the Aussies in a thriller. Some real history achieved there, as seen in the tears shed by Brian Lara and Carl Hooper, two of my absolute childhood heroes. My villain is the length of school holidays. First day back for the big boy today. Thank goodness. Cheers, Joe the Botany Battler. Yeah, yeah. second that. Good on you, Joe. Uh, hero, certainly the West Indies villain. Anyone who blames the ball or pitch for this loss. It was a terrible display of batting from the Aussies. No name uh, to that one. You know, the other thing we've seen on the text line, Mido, is the question around why Pat Cummins declared in the first innings. Tate, what's your read of that? Well, well he wanted I, to give him a bowl late in the evening. I think that's what it is. I think, we, I think you see in, in first-class cricket when guys have played with the pink ball, what they've thought is the best time to bowl is under lights with it, especially with a brand-new pink ball. So I think the take there is even if we have four or five overs, you know, those runs that we might have got, that extra 10 or 20, they'll sacrifice those for one wicket, maybe two wickets. So I think that was his thinking. But fair question as well. When you look back now, the that, ex- that runs. extra 10 or 20 <laughs> runs would have been um, would have been very handy. And yeah, that's where, you know, as a captain, you make decisions throughout the game that if it comes if it comes off, you know, you get the pat on the back. If it doesn't, then you get that question mark. So again, uh, interesting listening. I think it was Nathan Lyon after the first day. Uh, talk about the day-night till the pink ball on this Gabba wicket. It seems to me the players are a lot more comfortable playing a day-night test at Adelaide. They think conditions are more conducive in Adelaide. But, um, yeah, I agree with that last message as well. You can't blame the wicket. If anything, I think the curator at the Gabba got it right. If he leaves grass on the wicket like there was the day before the test match, it, it could have been over in... Two days or like three it was days, last year. like it was last year. Mm. Exactly right. Think so I think I think the cure. I think if you can get a test match that's that close that goes into day four, that's 
that's the perfect test. Yeah. So I think they've. I think the yeah the groundsmen at the yeah. Gabba probably deserve a lot of credit. Well, it showed you in the second innings. Steve Smith got ninety one not out. Yep. So if you applied yourself. Yep. And there you was could, enough in it the runs. whole game. Yeah, there was enough in it for bat and ball. Sure. I think most people liked that. Well, it's you don't spun as well. It spun a bit the for the Gabba. There was a bit more. Normally, the Gabba, you get extra bounce yeah. as a spinner, but there was a bit of spin as well. So, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I, I don't think you'll see too many of the Aussie players be using the pitch or the pink ball as an excuse. So I think this is one of those ones you say very little and cop it on the chin. I just congratulate your and, opponent. Yeah. That's all they can do. Yeah. You know, they'll have a debrief and they'll talk about, yeah, did we underestimate the opposition? Did we really go out there and really want to dig in when it got a bit tough? All those type of things they'll talk about. But at the end of the day, in the open, when you're talking to the press, you just got to cop it on the chin. And I think in that change room, it's going to be another one of those conversations. Have we got the, when we got the the foot on the throat, do we have that hunger in us? Do we have that, you know, we don't want to... uh, we don't want a, a two or against England Ashes series. We want, mate. If we get on top, we want to dominate. We want five nil. I think that's that hunger that this team, with the talent, when we talk about it, and then every time a loss like this happens, it gets questioned. You know, is our attack that good? Mm. Is our batting lineup that good? Well, I think it is, but we just got to. I don't know. I don't know if. I don't. I, I think I'm at the moment. My brain is thinking exactly what you said earlier, Loz. That it's just it was the last Test match of the series. We might have taken the West Indies team for granted. We're playing in conditions that we know very well, and we should win day night test. We've got a great record. I don't think Australia's ever lost a day night test. No, that was the first one we had. So been. it yes, might have just been just a little bit of taking things for granted. How are you, Mossy? Great midday. Welcome back. Good to see the band back together. Great to be back, my friend. And uh, well, last night four nil the Socceroos over Indonesia. Uh, what did you make of the performance? Uh, yeah, it was an interesting one. It was, um, I think most people expected Indonesia, apart from probably the Australian coaching staff and players who analysed uh, Indonesia and, and watched them a lot more closely than the media and fans do, but um, Indonesia pressed us quite high. Uh, their energy was, was fantastic. Uh, they asked some serious questions. They had the, big, uh, the first big chance of the game. Um, but I thought we stayed calm and, and, you know, stuck to the game plan. And, um, you know, we got a, a lucky goal, I suppose, from the deflection from uh, Jackson Irvine to get us off the mark and settle the nerves um, after the first quarter of an hour. Um, but you make your own luck. It was a fantastic run and, you know, his intent is what created the goal. And then we scored a fantastic second goal. Uh, everything about that was absolutely first class. Uh, the build-up, the, the ball out wide to Jones, the cross for Martin Boyle and the finish itself. And, um, you know, then we had to weather another storm in the second half for periods, but I thought our performance in the second half was much more fluent than the first half. And um, and then the super subs came on and, and did what super subs do and have an impact. And Craig Goodwin scored one and set one up. So overall, I think we can be best pleased. Four goals, clean sheet and uh, a performance that uh, kept us remaining calm and building into this tournament. Mossy, I didn't watch any of it. We spoke a little bit last week about just uh, our aggressive approach or our goal scoring. Were we more aggressive early on in the game? And and what was our starting lineup? Well, first of all, Clarkie, I can't believe you didn't stay up for it when you've got a 3 a.m. alarm (laughs) clock. Uh, (laughs) Like that's soft, mate. Sorry, Um, come on, mate. Yeah, how dare I? I was all sported out, put it that way, after the weekend. Um, There was uh, a lot more aggression going forward. I thought we played with a freer spirit, which was was good. A bit more 
bravery, if you like, uh, on the ball going forward and punching holes, asking questions. Um, Arnie made two changes to the, the starting 11. He brought Jones back in at right back for Nathaniel Atkinson. Bruno Tornaroli got that starting spot up front, and I think that was a smart decision because he's just so streetwise, Bruno Tornaroli, and I, I thought his impact was very good with Mitchell Duke uh, coming off the bench. So that's good news for us that his hamstring uh, is, is mended and uh, he'll come back into the reckoning, I would imagine, to start against um, Saudi Arabia or, or South Korea in the quarterfinal. Um, but, yeah, we were more aggressive. We created more chances. We scored four good goals. Um, you know, I, I said the first one was a little bit lucky with the deflection, but it's still, um, you know, he had to be there and, and strike it on goal to, to get the deflection. So, yeah, look, I, I think there's a lot more to be happy about. It's going to be another big step up against either Saudi or South Korea. They're both, um, you know, the highly rated uh, teams in this tournament, favourites for the title, if you like. Um, but I think we're on track. What are the challenges we face against either of those teams, Mossy? And are we getting better as the tournament is going on? Yeah, I think we are. Like, I know there's criticism out there, but gee, I, I just can never keep anyone happy. Like, you know, you go into this round of 16, Indonesia have improved out of sight in the last uh, few years and, uh, and we score four keeper clean sheets. So, yes, we are building and we are getting better and that's what you need in tournament football. Um, against Saudi and South Korea, well, I think the biggest challenge is is real quality in key moments. You know, they've got better players playing at higher levels, um, you know, than what we faced in the in the past in this tournament. So, you know, we've got to be making sure that we don't give away too many of those moments and and that we we clutch our own moments because uh, you know, the, the deeper you go, it's about those big moments and and taking them and and not giving away soft. Um, big moments to the opposition with mistakes and lapses of concentration. I thought there was a couple of them in the first half, particularly Harry Sutter, which is very unlike him, uh, just being a little bit sloppy in possession, um, giving Indonesia a chance to transition on us. And you don't want to do that against a Saudi or a South Korea because more often than not, the ball ends up in the back of your net. A-League action on the weekend. Well, yesterday, MacArthur and Perth Glory finished 2-2. How did you see it, Mossy? Well, MacArthur will be smarting uh, for giving away such a late equaliser. Mustafa Amini in the... Uh, sorry, David David Williams in the 93rd minute. Mustafa Amini in the 72nd. But uh, Valer Germain, uh, I know you'll love that name, Mido, but uh, he scored from a penalty spot for MacArthur in the 82nd minute, which I thought was going to see them home. But Perth Glory were good value. You know, they had 20 shots to, to eight uh, at goal, six to three on target. So you can't deny them the point on the road. And that's their four from six in the last two weeks for Alan Stadjic uh, and Perth Glory when they, they beat Western Sydney last week. And now they've grabbed a draw uh, at MacArthur yesterday. So that's good news for uh, for the boys from the West. But um, some really good games in the A-League over the weekend. The, the, the big blue, of course, Melbourne victory. Couldn't capitalise on numerical advantage over Sydney FC. What a disgraceful red card that was to Pat Wood. Um, should never have been a red card. VAR, again, grabbing the headlines for a wrong decision, in uh, in my opinion. Uh, and not for the first time last round as well. There was also one um, in the Newcastle-Brisbane game uh, to Jay O'Shea. But, um, yeah, overall, some good games uh, and, and plenty of goals. The Mar- Mariners, sorry, they just keep getting better. They, they started slowly, didn't they? And they had oh. the change of manager and he, he went overseas for another opportunity. But... Geez, what, what's been the turnaround with them, Mossy? 
wins and draws. Um, they've lost their first four, so that slow start you allude to, Loz, is, uh, is probably a bit of an understatement. Four losses from four to start the season. Mark Jackson was, you know, he was still finding his feet trying to work out what the A-League was about. Uh, the new, new manager, English manager, who replaced Nick Montgomery late in pre-season. But, uh, yeah, they've gone, uh, I think it's seven wins and three draws in their last ten um, to, to grab third spot. So they are back on track and... Um, yeah, they've got some fantastic uh, performances under their belt now. They're very, very confident, particularly at home, and scoring some really good goals. So they're they're a team on the rise, and they're a team to watch out for now, Who defending want... their title, of course. Yeah, and over there in England with your team, Liverpool, I see Klopp. He's out at the end of the year. Who do you want to see take over? It's been a weekend of mourning, was. Uh, it was a, an announcement that surprised everyone, I think, uh, apart from those closest to Klopp, of course, and apparently he told Liverpool in November... Um, to give them a chance to start planning. But um, you won't be surprised to hear that Ange Postacoglu's name's been linked already. Uh, I think it'll be uh, too early. I, I, I do see Ange, I really do see Ange uh, managing, um, you know, Spurs is a big club, don't get me wrong, but I do see him managing one of the really big clubs at, at some point, but not certainly not after just a year in the Premier League, uh, a year in the Premier League with Spurs, can't see it. But um It'll be interesting because that is a coveted spot and Jurgen Klopp has made it even more attractive with what he's done over the last decade. But, um, yeah, sad day for Liverpool, but um, don't be sad it's over. Be, be glad it happened. And uh, Klopp's been magnificent. Certainly has. And as far as the FA Cup's concerned, Liverpool beating Norwich and, uh, well, what about Maidstone United uh, beating Ipswich Town? So they were, I think they're in about, what, the sixth? level of, yeah. of English football so the the old the romance of the cup that we love and gee Manchester United did it tough overnight as well against Newport County they got a scare they were 2-0 up and uh, Newport County got back to 2-2 before Manchester United ran away with it 4-2 but um, yeah the cup is just it's the oldest cup competition in world football it pits anyone against anyone and um, yeah the the uh, the romance of the Cup uh, is alive and well. But, uh, yeah, great great round of games. And, uh, as you said, Liverpool safely through to uh, the next round, which is good news for us midday. Great to chat to you, Mossy. Have a good day, mate. Good on you guys. Have a great week. Sky Racing's Ali Mosley. A very good morning to you. How are you? I'm good, Mido. Welcome back. Great to be back. And uh, great for everyone who follows you. And Switzerland was your best bet. And really laid a marker down for the Golden Slipper with that victory on Saturday there at Ramwick. Yeah, there's been a huge spruik on this horse and he certainly didn't disappoint. I thought he was sort of, I was a bit nervous watching the race because he loomed up and I thought, is he going to let down and do anything here? I got a bit nervous, but um, he was super impressive. He absolutely gapped them. Um, He ran the best last 600 and 200 of the day. So for a two-year-old uh, that's pretty handy on debut. So I think he's going to really shake up this golden slipper market. I went to see him afterwards and I had a chat to the team and I said, not only does he look like Shinzo, they're quite a similar build, um, but this is almost to the day when we saw Shinzo debut. So I think we it's easy to forget, you know, that Chris likes to take a little bit of time with his runners. So it could really change the complexion as we head towards the golden slipper. And he got backed off the map in, in the market too. I think he went 26 to 11. Any horses you're following out of the meeting, Al? Yeah, I'm going to follow Don Pedro. I thought he looked unlucky not to have finished closer. He enjoyed a lovely run in the trail, but it just went pear-shaped for him from about the 350-metre mark, but he finished off strongly when he did see daylight. I think everyone probably saw that as well. 
Um, and then I think Redstone is getting close to a win. He ran on strongly from the back of the field off a moderate tempo. So I think he's got the right winning form third up and he looks to be trekking the right way. So we should hopefully get a quick return on him as well. So I think a couple to follow out of the weekend. James McDonald went back to the homeland there in New Zealand and had a great weekend at Ellerslie. Yeah, that he certainly did. Um, I know he was spruiking uh, his horse that won the the last race. So, um, I mean, it's sort of it's almost a given now when you when James goes somewhere, you expect him to ride a couple of winners, but to go home and ride the two year old and three year old winner is still no easy feat. Now here it was a pretty pretty big party over at Ellerslie. I had a bit of FOMO for not being there this year. Well, yeah, I'm sure. Well, he he certainly seemed more emotional winning that than, than, than other wins that he's had. So, uh, yeah, it was very happy to win in his home country, J-Max. So, Ali, we will chat later in the week. Uh, we had, I think we got the Canonbury in the Widden. So, this two-year-old picture now will be, you know, obviously keeping a very close eye on only, what, six weeks to the slipper or so. Yeah, it starts to get really exciting now. So, can't, can't wait to chat to you guys later in the week. Great. Thanks so much. Ali Mosley there. It is a couple of minutes to eight. And a huge moment just then in the AFC Championship game because Lozett's been looking like the Kansas City are running downhill against Baltimore. And uh, they were deep in Baltimore's end of the field, fourth and one, and turnover on down. So Baltimore's defence just stood up. Wow. And they're up 14-7, the Chiefs. And if they'd scored a touchdown then, 21-7 to heading towards half time, that's hard to Against Kansas City, that's hard to yeah. overturn. Well, Tay-Tay's off to a good start. I know that. Yeah. Well, Isn't she? She's the, been on the big screen loss yeah. a few times. Hey, I'm getting sick of her. <laughs> well, the concert's coming up. Yeah, you, you can't going? get sick of her yet. No, no, I'm not going. No, right. I'd like to go. What, you've just, you've just, you just, don't like her now. You want to go, no, want to go want to the concert? No, 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 no. You like her singing. I like her singing, but NFL. I don't want to see. It's about the football. It's not about Taylor Swift at the football. Tay-Tay. <laughs> All right, it's about the players. I don't want to see the camera shoot to Taylor Swift. Until you go to her concert, but you want yourself on the big screen at her concert, don't you? Well, I'm not going to the concert. But if you were, imagine if you were up on the big screen, would you like it? No. Oh, you liar. You would love it. No. You would love it. No, I wouldn't. The camera come to you at Tay-Tay's concert with millions watching. People everywhere. And there's LD on the big screen. Mate, you would come in the next morning spruiking. Possibly, <laughs> but, but as it stands here right at the moment, <laughs> yeah. no, I would not. Okay, and I'm sick of the broadcaster showing going it. straight to Taylor Swift when something good happens on the football field. Show the players. It's, not something it's all good. about it's the only players when her on the boyfriend field. Boyfriend scores a touchdown or makes a great play. Anyway, I love it. Annoy me. Go Swifty. <laughs>